0: So, welcome, Anne. Anne Dover, welcome to Bishop FM.
1: My pleasure, Gary. Thank you for asking me.
0: Now, that voice of yours will sound familiar to Bishop FM listeners, particularly if they have been listening to a uh, a series of short stories that was broadcast over Christmas uh, just recently on Bishop FM called Siblings. And it was your voice there reading the stories to us. How did that come about?
1: It was um, a meeting between Wendy Robertson, the author, and myself. Oh, some time ago now, she invited me to go to Bishop Auckland uh, Town Hall for the launch of one of her books, which I think my memory serves me right. It was called Paulie's Web, and she wanted me to go to an invited audience there and read some of the, uh, you know, some of the uh, chapters out to the audience, which, um, which of course I did, and from there on, Wendy and I have maintained a kind of email friendship. Um, and uh, I've recorded quite a few of her books in the past. And uh, so we've developed the sort of, as I say, an email friendship. And um, the siblings project really thrilled me. I was dying to do that because I am from County Durham and the mining family that siblings was written about were also from the Bishop Auckland and Northwest Durham area. Which was where I grew up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe you spent um, your er- early days somewhere between Willington and Oakenshaw. Well, yes,
1: I di- we did. Uh, we lived in a one. There was one street called Park View, and it was just a street on its own with a farm at each end. And there were colliery houses. My father worked at the mine, and um, we just thought. I mean, I had a what I thought was a fantastic childhood because that street was in the country and we were surrounded by fields. And as I say, two farms, um, the milkman, the, the guy from one of the farms used to bring the milk round in a churn with a long handled jug thing that he used to dole out the milk. And sometimes it was quite warm from the cow. God knows what health and safety would say about that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> we, su- we survived, you know, um, yes. and it was rather for me as a child, it was a lovely place to grow up because we had the freedom that there, that children, you know, nowadays don't really have. My mother just opened the front door and we disappeared off into the fields and played in the fields, really. So it was a fun place. I mean, you think of mining communities and people sort of sometimes think of grim, smoke-filled areas. But being out in the country, I think this is part of not being in Northwest Durham, um, that whole area. You know, you're very near to... Fantastic countryside, aren't you?
0: So, where was school, Anne? Where did you go to school?
1: Well, I went. We lived, by the way, after after we'd lived at Park View, my father left the pit because he had health problems, and they got a house up above, on the hilltop above Crook, at a place called Mount Pleasant. Uh, some people call it Stanley, but it's not the sort of Stanley that's over beside towards Chesterley Street that way. It's Stanley that was next to Crook. Uh, or Mount Pleasant, as it was known. And it's a very windy spot, I can tell you, it was high up on a hill. And so because of moving there, uh, having passed the 11 plus by the skin of my teeth, I believe, I was sent to Walsingham Grammar School. So I grew up really in Weirdale And I still love it. You know, I love going back there. Uh, mm. We had a had a fantastic time. I hated school, as sco- you know, as you do, when, at school. But the rest of the time spent in Weirdale, when we came out of school, we in the summer we'd sometimes not get the school bus back to uh, where we lived, uh, which transported us every day. I'd with my friend, we would walk all the way from Wolsingham back into Crook, and we'd stop at Bradley Burn and paddle or swim in the in the river. River Weir.
0: Lovely. (laughs) Yes, well, you paint a wonderful picture.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it was a lovely time for me. And looking back on it, I think, you know, how lucky we were. We didn't have very many material things to enjoy. But we, but we, you know, we just had all of that wonderful countryside and, and sort of quieter, more peaceful times. I would say that because I'm getting older. But, you know, as you look back, you look back and think, well, after the war, um, that wasn't a lot of money, uh, but um, things were, I don't know, slower, I suppose, and more peaceful. A trip to Bishop Auckland from where I lived was like going to London for Gosh, me. Yeah. Honestly, uh, you know, it, it was a big day because the market would be there and uh, the shops, you know, that were available that we didn't certainly didn't have in Crook um it we seem to be sort of and living where we did up on the hill you we were in the sticks you know we were in the middle of nowhere really yeah. although we were surrounded by little places like crook but it was uh it, coming to bishop auckland was my main source of entertainment looking in the shops and dreaming about the days when i'd have enough money to buy that dress
0: <laughs> and going in a huge department store like Doggetts, for example
1: well Doggett's was the store that I, my mother seemed she must have had an account there, I suppose. Was the store where all of my addresses for um dues at the school when we when I when I ended up at Walsingham School they had dances at at Christmas, and um, I had to have a a new dress for that, and I was limited very limited to what doggards could supply. And I used to be. I used to gaze into other shop windows, who sold things that I could see Bridget Bardo wearing, you know. And that was what I wanted. But I ended up at Doggards having to have uh, the <laughs>
0: choice
1: a choice of about three dresses. You know, that was about it.
0: Oh, wonderful memories! Narrating books as you do and makes you some kind of performer, really. Was there anything in your early childhood that? maybe paved the way uh, for performing in public in one way or another?
1: One of the things that um, I think encouraged me to, to perform and my sister was the fact that we, we belonged to um, Willington Wesleyan Chapel mm-hmm. and they had Iced and we performed at the Iced Edfords. My sister and I competed against each other singing <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that was fun. And, um, and we used to recite, we were given poetry to learn and recite. And that that was something that I just loved doing. And um, the Sunday school anniversaries, and it was a big chapel and they used to get lots of people. It's a big place which had a sort of balcony with seating as well as the downstairs area. And the Sunday school anniversaries, you know, were opportunities really to get up and perform. And I think we, my sister and I both had that sort of, um, that thing, you know, that we liked. That we like to get on a stage and uh, and and do that when we, were, especially when we were young. So um, that's where it. That's really where it all began. It was so. I'm thankful to the Wesleyan Chapel for all of the opportunities they gave uh, me to stand up on stages and uh, you know and perform. Really, that was that was where it started. Really.
0: Yeah. In your county Durham roots, which I suppose, coming right back as we did earlier, two siblings, that would have been something hugely comforting and uh, familiar to you. It
1: was. It was. But I have to tell you that I don't get very many books set in in Durham. Um, You know, just the occasional one. Um, But um, so consequently, I've got to I've got nieces who live in Spennymoor and um, other relations in the Darlington area. And I've got to ring them up and have a conversation with them to remind <laughs> myself <laughs> To remind, of the, to remind of what the accent. Because like. yeah. you lose, you know, you lose the accent when you live away from an area, don't you?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes.
1: Going back to the siblings um, project with Wendy, I love the way she writes. Um, she sort of gives her characters such depth and heart. Um, and I've recorded a couple of her books, which I really, really got stuck into and loved, you know, just just not as a job, but just reading them. And siblings appealed to me, no end, because I, I was telling the story of, of this family with, I think it was six children, seven children, wasn't it? Yes, seven mm. siblings. Mm. And um, it was lovely to sort of, uh, I don't know, to just sort of get involved with that family. I really enjoyed it. And I could relate Although I only had a sister I didn't uh, have a big family um, I could relate to the sort of lifestyle they had even though that was set in the 1920s and I was uh, born much <laughs> much after that
0: how did you get into this? Uh recording then, in, in a previous conversation with you, it emerged that the bright lights of Newcastle and the advent of commercial radio in the northeast of England with uh, Metro Radio uh, in the early 1970s was something we shared, I as a listener, but you as a broadcaster on early Metro Radio. So how did that happen? The
1: road to Newcastle was, first of all, getting married uh, very young I was, uh, my first marriage, and that took me away from Durham, and I was not in Newcastle itself, but nearby. When I first went to that area, I had to get a job, so I ended up um, just applying for anything that was in the newspaper, and I thought, oh, Boots the Chemist needs somebody to to work there, so I went to work in Boots the Chemist. I think I did that for about two years, um, thinking that it was all about selling makeup, but I actually ended up In the photography department, which was actually a good education for me because the guy that ran that department taught me a lot about cameras and things. While I was working there, there was a little boutique that sold dresses just down the street in South Shields, this was. Um, And um, they did a fashion show every year. And they walked into Boots and picked out one or two girls that they liked the look of or thought they would look good in their clothes, and asked us if we would like to be in the fashion show. So I immediately said yes. And uh, I I went along, did the fashion show, and it just so happened that they took a photograph of me for the local newspaper. And a friend of mine who also worked in Boots said to me, do you think you and I should go to a modeling school? And we did. And we went up to Newcastle to a modeling school. And uh, I mean, fortunately for me, I just sort of, I don't know, looked the right look at the time or something and started to get work and um, so I left Boots the chemist and um, started working as a model and then Tiny's television started and because I was modeling and I suppose photographs of me appeared in the newspapers and things they gave you they, they sort of started to sort of wanting to interview you and so forth and I ended up doing little inserts in small programs you know on the tv and that led to me being asked if I would could the thought that I could do a voice and mm-hmm. appear in Vision for um, a TV commercial because in those days they made all of the commercials actually at Tyne Tees Television in the, st- in the studios there mm-hmm. on City Road, and so that was the beginning really for me. One of the men who worked at Tyne Tees TV was one of the people that began Metro Radio anyway. Mm-hmm. He asked me to have a meeting with him, and he said, um, "Would I like to have a go at doing a program?" And I got a job presenting, um, you know, a radio a record program there every Saturday. Um, And then later on, I was allowed to read the news, which I loved Mm. doing. Although I had no, I had nothing in my background in to do with journalism, but you know, I could I could read fluently. That was something that. I picked up at home as a, as a child. My parents were very keen on us reading aloud and being listened to, really. And, and my sister and I used to um, mimic other people's voices. And it was something we just sort of did as kids and to make each other laugh. You know, yeah. yes. it was a lot of it was just a bit of fun. And when it came to um, recording these um, TV commercials, uh what I had to do then, of course, in the 60s, uh, Gary, was to lose my Durham accent, you know, because in those days, if you were broadcasting, you had to have, you know, the sort of uh, accentless voice because they wanted everybody to understand you. It's not like that now, is it? No, there are it more, isn't.
0: No, thank goodness. There, there,
1: are, <laughs> there are more people working in local radio with, you know, with their local accents and on the BBC, indeed, you know, everybody... They like to have people from um, from outside of the cities, as it were. So it was. Um, so that was the beginning. Anyway, that was how I started. Uh, and Metro Radio. I worked there for about two years, and I was doing also at the same time going around to other radio stations where they were recording commercials, and I did a lot of voices for um, for the commercials that they used uh, in the programs, and. Um, So that was that was when I was given scripts with characters in uh, that were voices whose voices were appearing in these uh, commercials that were written. Some of them were very amusing, you know, and they were great fun (laughs) to do. (laughs) And sometimes uh, I can remember trying to do one with a particular um, a guy who was also a voice actor, and we'd known each other for quite a while, and he was a great giggler. And I think it took us about an hour to do a a sort of thirty-second voice um, a commercial <laughs> <sounds> because
0: great.
1: <laughs> we had to keep, we had to keep stopping and going out to laugh all the time because it was such a, it was written in such a funny sort of
0: way, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's how it started.
0: My goodness. Yeah. And But the, 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 that begs the question, Anne, where did it lead from there? Where did you go from radio?
1: Well, uh, from radio, I well, my second marriage, uh, my husband and I moved to Yorkshire for his job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, coming down here, I had no connections in Yorkshire at all. And I had to find an agent uh, and I did a bit of TV work, uh, the odd little appearance in plays, and I had a small part on Emmerdale at one point. And then um, uh, later on, um, I started to do. Um, Voiceovers, as they're known, hmm. um, in in from from the Yorkshire area, and I was traveling uh, traveling around. I got myself a car, and I was traveling around all these different radio stations, and continued, you know, doing doing that work. And then a friend of mine, who I loved very dearly, and who was quite a lot older than me, she became my son's adopted grandma. Um. She came to stay with us one weekend and to t- and she told me that she was losing her sight. She had macular degeneration, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite a common thing, you know, for people as they get older, have problems with their eyesight and she couldn't read anymore. And she came to stay with me and she had this great big thing that looked like a, a parcel that looked like a an enormously big, fat, bulky book. And it was it, when you opened it, it was full of cassettes little cassettes. remember And she said to me that um, it, it, it was a book. She told me the title and she said, it, it's marvellous because I can listen now to these books. And I think she had it delivered to her by the RNIB because they were providing that service, you know, long before um, audio books became um, a big, big thing. And um, anyway, that. She said to me, this is what you should be doing. And I, and I thinking that I knew all the studios in the, from Yorkshire North um, and in other parts of the country as well, uh, said that, you know, I didn't want to travel because I had a child, small child at the time, and I didn't want to travel to London. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm sure this is done in the Northeast. So I rang the people whose name was on the cover, and it was a studio in Whitley Bay of all places. Oh. And they were willing. They were one of the first um, companies to start recording audiobooks mm-hmm. in, a, in a smallish way then. But I mean, now it's a booming business oh, yes. and with studios, studios all over the UK, as you probably know. Um, and that's where I began my audiobook uh, career, which is uh, more years ago than I care to mention now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a long time. I've recorded about a thousand books, over a thousand books by now one of the first books that I was asked to do at Whitley Bay had characters who all lived in Liverpool. And it was a a story about a Liverpudlian um, family. So I had to do the narration in my voice. And the characters, of course, had to have a Liverpudlian accent. And, and I just, um, kind
0: of, <laughs> how easy did you find that? <laughs> well, Going all actually, right there, uh, kids. How are you? Yeah, I, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's quite easy when you listen to Silla.
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. I was. <laughs> I used to sort of. I had listened to Silla Black quite a bit, and. Um, I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. And I mean, I had played around with accents in commercials that I've done, you know, for radio Mm -hmm. in the past. Um, And I actually found it was something that I could do. We used to do a lot of singing at home, and and we we all had quite a decent ear for music. It was just something we were born with, I think, you know, the whole family. Mm -hmm. Uh, My sister became a cabaret singer and had a professional life as a singer. Um, And we all used to sing together. So I, I I've always felt that an ear for music, you can hear, you know, different chords and harmonies and so forth. And language is quite similar. You know, it's, uh, there's a tune to the Welsh language and, and there's a tune to Geordie accents. I mm. love doing them. You know, I yeah. love doing them all. And as a narrator, you've got to be capable of doing most of the UK accents, really, and even some foreign ones, because mm-hmm. who knows where the books are going to be set, where the author sets them, and where the um, characters come from. So you, it's no good, you know, doing it all in. I, in my opinion, all in my voice, because you want to become the character. Yes, and that's the love. That's the lovely thing about recording books. I'm in a studio on my own, with headphones on, and I find myself being the character. You know, I go inside their bodies, as it were. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just me in the microphone then. The more books that I was asked to record um, and the more characters that I had to, to do, eventually YouTube came along. Because when I started in, in recording these books, we didn't have computers. Um, and, you know, we didn't have the digital age, really, at that point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, um, But now it's so much easier to research dialect on YouTube. You just have to look on YouTube and there are tutorials, you know, with practically every dialect and accent in the country. There are some, though, that are harder to do than others. And and one of the ones that I find particularly difficult, and I I had books from an author who wrote a lot of books about the war, the Second World War, and she set them in, uh, they start in Liverpool and they end up in Norfolk. So, Uh, (laughs) did. I found the Norfolk accent really tricky mm. uh, and, and it's got such a rhythm to it that y- you, you've got to sort of get into the rhythm of it. And, and of course, uh, when, you, when you were recording a, a book with characters in, the odd, there's the odd sentence read uh, spoken by one of the characters. Um, and then the next sentence will be a character from somewhere else in the UK. So you've got to switch from one accent, you know, to the next. And I cannot, I couldn't train anybody else to do this work because I actually don't quite know how that happens. I'd much rather be doing this than nowadays than being on a stage, you know, where you've got a live audience. Mm. I, I used to love live audiences when I was younger, but as I get older, I'm, I'm fearful of forgetting lines and things. So recording books suits me fine.
0: So this is now what Anne Dover is doing: recording, That's it. recording books.
1: That's right. That's yeah. it's my full time job now. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what a fantastic story! What a journey! <laughs> what a journey!
1: <laughs> well, it's quite. It's, I guess it's quite a journey from uh, you know from from being um, in a little mining community as we were as children. That was that was where it started really. <sighs>
0: Well, Anne, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you very, very much indeed for spending some time with us at Bishop FM and giving us an insight into uh, the character behind the voice. I hope that I can reconnect with you at some point in the near future and plunder your memory for musical memories from the 1960s. I wonder if you would be uh, willing to participate in that.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to because I love music uh, and if I can dip into my memory box and remember the music that i used to love and associate with those days yes i've got a particular one in mind that i would uh, i have to would have to sort of insist on playing
0: Ooh. because
1: it's uh, it was quite an important moment for me
0: yeah there's a moment to leave it then that's something to savor <laughs> on i i think yes well thank you so much
1: thank you for having me it's been lovely talking to everyone